0: This is The Future of Finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to The Future of Finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. This is Peter Horowitz from Motive Partners. I'm here with Paul Christensen from Provise. Paul, I just had the pleasure of hearing your presentation describing the finance supply chain and Provise's approach to it. I found it absolutely fascinating and very, very different from all the competitors in the market. Can you share with us those who didn't see that presentation, why you attacked the supply chain that way and why you're so different from all the other competitors.
1: Thanks, Peter. Thrilled to be here and thrilled to talk about uh, what we're doing at Provise because we're super excited and we love it. Everyone knows there is a huge, huge issue with getting financed SMEs. Most people are looking at the symptoms and trying to provide financing, factoring, loans, overdrafts, trying to get money to SMEs. And that's a really good thing. But what we have done is is to try to actually go after the cause rather than the symptoms. And the biggest cause of financial difficulties for SMEs is the fact that large corporates that they sell to take so long to pay them. And when you're Sam the Sausage Maker and you sell your sausages to a large corporate and you then have to wait 60 days, 90 days, 120 days to get paid, that really puts stress on the system. So that's the problem that everyone's trying to fix. But we're doing it by getting the large corporates to pay instantly cash on delivery. We will make B2B like B2C. In B2C, Peter, if you went into Starbucks this morning and bought a coffee, you paid for it straight away. You may have paid on a credit card. You may not have to pay the credit card back for 30 days, but Starbucks got its money and you got your coffee. Imagine if instead you walked out of Starbucks and said, send me a bill. I'll pay you in three months. That's what happens in B2B. So what we're doing is making sure that every supply has the choice to say, no thanks, I'd like cash on delivery.
0: So how does Provise turn that process 180 degrees?
1: You're financing the corporate cash on delivery? Correct. So we're absolutely, and we don't do the financing ourselves, we do the data and analytics that underpins and allows others, like banks, to provide the financing. All of the supply chain finance solutions In the world today, there are two shortcomings, and they're good products, but they have shortcomings. One is they only provide financing once the invoice is approved, and that often takes a month all on its own. So there's at least a month lag. The second, much, much, much more important issue is that they only work for large corporates. So if you're Procter & Gamble or Unilever and you have a supply chain finance solution today, that only helps your top 1% of suppliers who are also very large corporates like you. The SMEs are left out. And the reason the SMEs are left out is because of the onboarding, the process, the admin is just far too hard for SMEs. So what we do instead is the moment an invoice is received by a large corporate like Procter & Gamble or Unilever or Rolls Royce, the moment moment they get that invoice, we come up with a score. That score is the probability that the large corporate will eventually pay that bill in two or three months. And based on that score, which is a very precise risk assessment, the bank will then pay that invoice instantly or not. We pick out the very small number of invoices that are likely to cause a problem. We keep them out of the program. But for everything else, the vast majority of invoices, with that score, it's like the FICO score for invoices, a bank can now pay all the suppliers on day zero, and then the large corporate pays the bank back in two months' time.
0: So is the scoring process dependent upon... What data, if you don't mind me asking, that you're keeping on the small businesses? Is there information and a history of provisioning that you're using to base whether their invoice is going to be accepted or not?
1: Absolutely. So it's all based on data. And actually, that is the most different thing that we've done. No one else has looked at data. And there is an unbelievably rich source of data sitting in the ERP systems of the large corporates. Every sort of Fortune 500, FTSE 100 type company has a huge ERP system, Oracle, SAP, Microsoft Dynamics with very rich data, which is every invoice they've ever paid, how long it took to pay the invoice, how often they issued a credit note against a particular supplier or a particular set of goods. So we're absolutely using data, but we get the data from the large corporate. So all the factoring solutions in the market, their clients are the suppliers. So their client is Bob the Builder or Sam the Sausage Maker. There's just not a lot of data there. Our client is the Fortune 500 company that has a huge database, and that's, you know, everyone's talking about AI and finance and and all these these sexy, cool applications. This is low-hanging fruit. This is accounts payable. This is back office. And there's just an unbelievably rich data set to leverage. And that's what we do. So in a nutshell, we apply our machine learning to the payables data of a large corporate. And by doing that, we generate cash, both cash on delivery for the supplier, but we also, really importantly, we pay a very significant data access fee to the large corporate. So it's actually, it's a win-win. So if Bob the Builder is selling to Procter & Gamble, Bob the Builder is very happy to give a discount to get cash on delivery, and we give half that discount to Procter & Gamble. So basically Procter Gamble's got a new revenue stream from monetizing their data.
0: If I heard you correctly, one, your pursuit, your pipeline is of the large corporates. Mm -hmm. When you convert one, they're going to give you access to their data. And it's that data that you then use to generate the split, if you will, the efficiency for the sausage maker as well as Procter & Gamble. Any issues around executing against grabbing the data, normalizing it, keeping it encrypted or private as part of that ongoing process of analysis?
1: No, it's actually, I mean, we all come from a financial services background, so we're very comfortable working to the information requirements and and security and, and encryption requirements of banks, for example. So everything's built to the highest standard. From a technology perspective, it's very easy. It's a daily batch file, raw data. There is a bit of work on our side in terms of normalizing and cleansing and, you know, the normal sort of data wrangling that we do. And it's very important that we do that, not the corporate, because our pitch to the corporate is you don't actually have to do anything. You, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Rolls-Royce, all you have to do is let us run our algorithms on your data. So they don't have to do anything. From a technology perspective, it's really easy. From a security, infosec, compliance We've passed the information security tests of several of the top 10 banks in the world, so we feel very comfortable about that. No, the only challenge is really bureaucracy. You know, to be blunt, it's getting a large organization to actually do stuff. (laughs) And there's no magic to that. It's just a lot of hustle, and um, we're doing it. I mean, we've got our first five clients, very large household names. You know, it takes a while, but but we're getting there, and it's sufficiently compelling for them. We often hear it's a no-brainer.
0: Now, again, when I heard the presentation, I, I agree. It was you know,
1: eye-opening. One, one last thing on that. Actually, the hardest part in our sales process to the large corporate is often the response that it's too good to be true. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. You're solving a big problem for me, and you're paying me all this money. Where's the catch? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it takes a few meetings to get through that, and then they realize, actually, there is no catch. It's just that the current system is so broken mm-hmm that by applying some you know, good technology and doing it at scale, you know, we can take all that friction out and it's a win-win. There's enough to make the suppliers happy and the buyer happy and pay us a small fee and for the banks to make a good return on providing the financing. You know, I've been in FinTech for 20 years. I've, I've never seen anything like this that is just a real win-win for everyone.
0: So if you don't mind my asking without revealing any you know, strategic secrets, What's next? Do you have a <laughs> sense of where Provise is heading for the next low hanging fruit or maybe even something more difficult to grab?
1: Yeah, no, we do. I mean, we have lots and lots of ideas, really important in, in my seat and all of the team's seat to be laser focused on delivery and execution of our first couple of steps. And we're literally just on, you know, in the process of going live with our first five big clients. So for the next two or three years, we're definitely heads down getting live with these clients on this initial product. But yeah, no, the next steps, all kinds of data products. um, Well, let me tell you, immediate next step, back office efficiency. Today, and again, low hanging fruit. I mean, you asked, is there some more higher hanging fruit? There's so much low hanging fruit, we got (laughs) to hoover up back office efficiency. At the moment, every large corporate has hundreds of people in some kind of shared service outsource center reviewing invoices and doing it pretty blind. So a fortune 500 company might have 500 people in Bangalore who spend five minutes on every invoice. We can give them a risk ranking of invoices from one to 10,000 really easily. And now why don't you spend 90% of your time on the 10% that are most risky? And your ability to detect fraud and duplicates is going to go through the roof. And by the way, maybe you don't need 500 people in Bangalore doing that. Maybe 100 will be fine. Then maybe you want to do robo-approvals. Maybe you want to say for every invoice for $100 or less, don't even let a human touch it. Let the machine do it. So that's, again, that's low-hanging fruit. Although, Peter, your question was more the next stages. um, Data. Simple data products like what was the average price paid for milk in the United Kingdom yesterday? We are seeing all that data, that purchasing data go through, one of my co-founders often says, the reason why Facebook is so valuable is because it knows what people like. We hit like in our interactions, and and his analogy is in the corporate world, a like is a purchase. I see, Peter, you've got a, a can of Coke Zero. We're probably not allowed to advertise on here, mm-hmm. but you like Coke Zero, and you express that like not with a little thumbs up on a social media site, but with the pound you paid for that can. And we see that, and so we are seeing likes every day by businesses purchasing from each other. So I think that network, that data set, you know, if I'm thinking five years out now, that will be super, super valuable and will open us up for all kinds of opportunities.
0: Well, I could completely agree. What we are in Motive are calling the alternate data set, is already quite valuable and very, very active. And so I very much look forward to your helping to cure that part of the data problem.
1: Although we need to be careful, let me just add to that, because we're also very clear, crystal clear, that this data belongs to our clients. Of course. So Unilever spend data is Unilever spend data, and Procter & Gamble spend data is Procter & Gamble spend data, and we can't do anything with that data other than what they're happy with. So it's up to us... To build products that is going to add value to them that they're going to want us to do. So our first step is, Mr. Client, this is your data. Here's some cool ideas of, of what we could do with it. Would you like us to do that? And you know, you guys know that here, you know, there is a real sensitivity around ownership of data, and and our model is to be very respectful of that, but add value with it. Because currently, you know, as I said at the beginning, all this data sitting in purchasing systems of companies is just not being used and huge amounts of value can be unlocked. Agreed.
0: Paul, thank you very much. Really appreciate you visiting us uh, with Motive here today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time.